Everyone's so busy keeping up. Forget about the Joneses, we all on our telephones. With the texts and the tweets and the beats. What he said, she said, can't even follow the three. Down the hole, we all go. Me, I like keeping up too. With my corona and my attitude. That's La Vida Masfina. Relax responsibly. Corona Extra Beer. Imported by Crown Imports, Chicago, Illinois. Dan Gladden did not disappoint. I believe he set a Minnesota Twins franchise record uh, by becoming the first Twins Hall of Fame inductee to talk about his wife's chest and his mother's flatulence during an acceptance speech. I expected nothing less of our guy, Gladdy. Me neither. Uh, that was one for the books. Uh, I guess they still believe that Morneau's speech was longer, but Dazzles went on for a while as he covered a lot of ground um, uh, going back to his days in Cupertino, California. But uh, that was quality entertainment. And you you hear these things and your eyes perk up and you're like, what did he just say? And um, everybody got a big kick out of it. But I guess we didn't expect anything different from the Dazzle man. He was going to do it his way. I didn't I didn't realize that there was a big deal about uh, him not being able to play day games after night games or his comparison to Randy Bush, but I guess he had a, a couple things stuck in his craw he needed to address. So we got uh, we got full service there from Dazzle yesterday. Roy, you know the man. What do you, what would you what would you like to add what? about uh, Dan Gladden's <laughs> I can't, acceptance? I, I, I can't add anything because I unfortunately I I was out of town uh, for the weekend and uh, w- was not there. Uh, it, I'm not surprised to hear you all say. Uh, relate what the kinds of things he talked about. Uh, he's the mo- one of the most interesting personalities slash characters um, that I have ever been around. Um, and I, I mean that in uh, all affection and, and, and uh, goodwill. He's, he's, he's one of a kind. Uh, he has never, ever cared ever in his life about, convention about what other people think uh he he um he says what's on his mind uh unabashedly and uh, is uh surprised if anybody uh were to take any kind of uh offense umbrage or surprise at that um he's just he's uh he's one of one of my favorite one my favorite personalities and if i were gonna if i were ever gonna write a, a book a baseball book. There would be a character uh, in uh, in the in the novel that uh, that was taken almost directly from uh, Dan Gladden. It's it's just too good. It is too good. As Jack Morris always said, if you went out with Dan Gladden, you needed your own vehicle and a passport because you didn't know where you would end up, but you needed your own way back. Uh, he took us on quite a journey during that uh, speech. We'll get more into that and the actual baseball that is occurring these days. This is Chin Music. This is our baseball show at TalkNorth.com. Follow us on Twitter at TalkNorthPod to see all the shows as they are released. Thanks to our producer, Brandon Morton. We do 
Also recommend subscribing to your favorite podcast app. It is the freest and easiest way to listen. Thanks to Corona, the uh, official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chin Music Show here at TalkNorth.com. You can always go to TalkNorth.com and see our many shows, our many sports shows, our many variety shows, our many outdoor shows. Uh, check it all out. We do appreciate you listening and, and helping us grow, of course, the lineup today. Lavelle Enil III from the Star Tribune, Roy Smalley of former Twins uh, All-Star and Twins Broadcasting fame. I'm Jim Suhan from the Star Tribune. Uh, so, yeah, it, it was something, uh, Roy, you missed it because Gladdy gets up there and he, he basically recited all these stats that indicated he should have been playing day games after night games instead of Randy Bush, which is remarkable because we know that Dan didn't get any sleep before day games. And yet, his, his, he, as he pointed out, his numbers are still pretty good. He talked about uh, seeing Janice, his wife, and he described her in ways that uh, I'm sure has him in a meeting with a, an HR person today. And then he <laughs> talked about his he talked about his wife, and, and then he talked about his mother in a way that no mother should be spoken of in public. Uh, it was it was <laughs> remarkable. But here here's the big takeaway for me, guys. You know, I, I mean, I, I don't spend as much time in the Twins Clubhouse now as I did when I was a beat writer or when it was frankly, more open and easier access, and you had bigger personalities in there. I kind of get in, get what I need, and get out. But, you know, Lavelle and I in the 90s and the 2000s especially, what we loved was that that clubhouse was full of characters. And you look down at the induction ceremony and you see, I, I don't know Mr. Tovar very well, but Guardy's one of the all-time characters. Gladden's one of the all-time characters. TK's a character. Uh, Herbeck's one of the great characters of all time. You look down there, you see character after character after character. And I've had this conversation with Rocco and other people. I don't know that we're ever going to get that again. There might be good people in the game. There might be funny people in the game. But the combination of characters and access that we had through the years where you got to know these guys and they told you the funniest damn stuff you've ever heard in your life on a daily basis. I don't know if the modern game can actually allow for that. Let's start with Roy this time. I don't think it does. I think it's a, um, it's a giant collective uh, personality of boredom. Um, <laughs> it, it is. It, 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 it starts you know, it starts at the top and it, and it, and it permeates uh, through the players or maybe it starts with the players and goes the other way. I don't, I don't know, but it, it's uh, the players have, I mean, uh, the best, the best example of it is, is how, uh, how boring and pedestrian, you know, the, the nicknames are or, or lack thereof. It, it's, it's yeah. all now just a uh, diminutive, of uh the last name somehow you know Morneau is is Morney and, and and that that kind of thing there's there's no nicknames there are no guys uh just being uh being quirky um i i got you get the feeling that if they're quirky at all they just they just absolutely keep to themselves so so no one knows but it it's just it's just not the same uh, by the way, Cesar Tovar uh, w- uh, was on the Texas Rangers team. I came up too as a rookie. He, character too, he fits right in the mold. There's, I have some great stories about about Pepe. But um, I think about uh, the the teams that I was on, uh, especially the Yankee teams that uh, that I got traded into, and then the '87 club uh, here in Minnesota. 
And when you walk into a clubhouse that has Herbeck and Gaetti and Gladden and Blylevin and Puckett uh, and Mike Smithson, and I mean, you can go on and on and on. And it's it was never it was never a dull moment. And everybody had everybody had nicknames that you know that wasn't you know that, I mean Gaddy was the Rat and Herbeck was Rex and Gladden was Gladwrench and you know just on and on and it just was uh, it, it was a, it was a different time and I don't think we'll ever get back. That was kind of the end of it. I guess you saw it a little bit in the early nineties, but. But that was it was right after the 91 club that won things started things started going toward the uh, toward the boring. You know, um, I wrote the Gardenhire column before he was inducted on Saturday and uh, I just started, you know, going through all my mental snapshots of all the shenanigans that he uh, perpetuated during his career. Um, The jokes he played on players and and. the type of loose, loosey goosey clubhouse you like to have. And uh, it had me thinking then that, um, you know, there aren't, there aren't too many managers like Gardy, and there definitely won't be many other managers like Gardy who, who uh, even attempted the, the, the humor that he did uh, pull off during his, his career. And it's weird. It seems like it's been a quick change in that too. Cause I mean, coming to spring training, um, Jim and I would be standing in the, Clubhouse in spring training when players are reporting. And then Eddie Guardado would show up and take his equipment bag and launch it halfway down the clubhouse and scream at the club. He unpack my shit. <laughs> and uh, and that would be the beginning of his spring training. You know, um, I remember the year that uh, the twins brought Tony Batista in and he enters the clubhouse. His one year with the half year with the twins. He goes, my name is Tony Batista. I am from the Dominican Republic. I'm here to save baseball. You know, and I'm like, that stuff doesn't happen. Um, we've lost personality. Some of these clubhouses lost personality. Uh, I don't know if it's because, um, you know, players just don't want that out there anymore, or are we just raising dull players, or this is the offshoot of, uh, of the of the geeks taking over the game. They treat players like they're emotionless automatons, and now we've got players acting like they're emotionless automatons. Um, it's it's kind of head scratching, really. Um, especially in baseball, if you because if you're a beat writer, you're in a clubhouse every day, and over the course of a you know seven months, of, if you include spring training and the regular season, you know you you get to see people's personality come out, and you know this Twins clubhouse is just is is dull compared to what uh, I've seen you know in past years, and it just shows you how much times have changed. You mentioned uh, now we we uh, you both mentioned Gardy uh, and Randy Bush. I've got a I've got a great great story. This just cracks me up. It's, it's a uh, it, it has to do with those two guys. So Randy Bush is on first base. There's two out, and there's um, a he's going to third base. And I don't remember if he had hit a triple or uh, if he was going first or third. In either case, it was with two out. It was in a uh, big situation. Uh, uh, I'm sorry, it's with, um, it's with, uh, yeah, two out, big situation, cannot get thrown out at third base. And he's, he comes barreling around second. Guardy's the third base coach for TK at the time. Guardy's got the big stop sign up. Bushy absolutely ignores it. He comes running in. It looks like he's going to be out. A big giant head first slide. And 
uh, Gardy knows there's going to be hell to pay if uh, you know when he gets when she gets tagged out, and miraculously he gets in there. Umpire calls him safe, and uh, Butchie gets up, starts brushing himself off, and Gardy comes up to him and says, "Randy, what the heck were you doing? You can't you can't be coming over here. I had the stop sign up." You can't be running through stop signs. You can't be doing that. This was would have been a disaster. And Bushy just looked at him and said, oh, Guardy, didn't TK tell you? I'm on my own now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I'm on my own now. <laughs> and tell That's you what, <laughs> Randy Bush was uh, under the radar, one of the great personalities in the game. Oh, my uh, gosh. Yeah. Bushy was the one of the funniest guys I've ever known. Yes, he was fantastic. I didn't get to cover him called, for a long he, time. He, but. He, he was the leader of a group in 87. He was a leader of a group, 86, 87, that he called uh, the Ellipse. Now, Randy Bush, for the most part, uh, he would get the day games after night games for, uh, for Gladden. Uh, he would go in and play first base for Herbeck when it was 10 to 1 in the eighth. You know, that, that, kind, of, that kind of thing. And he... He uh, in, in in just perfect self-deprecating style. He was the leader of the the band of players he called the Ellipse, E L I P Ellipse, essential late inning personnel. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. And and listen, awesome. you know, Roy, you you were around that great group of characters who won championships. I will say, you know, I didn't cover those teams. I didn't. Start, I didn't start covering the Twins on a daily basis till '93. I will say the most fun I've ever had as a sports writer was the 2001 to 2006 ish Minnesota Twins. Uh, you walked in the clubhouse, and now I walk in the clubhouse, and not only. Do I think people probably don't want to talk to me? I don't really want to talk to them either. I just don't find them very interesting. Um, <laughs> back then, when we walked in the clubhouse, especially me and Lavelle, when we walked in the clubhouse, somebody was going to call you over and tell you the funniest story you've ever heard and that was completely unprintable every single day. It would be Gordado or Hawkins or Mikavich or Hunter or Hawking or – Guardy or one of his coaches, every day was funny story time. And, and it was just, I mean, and, and they were also great on the record and Przinsky, you know, and and listen, I didn't even, you know, I didn't even maintain relationships with all these people, but you could not walk in that clubhouse and not be told something funny every day. That doesn't happen anywhere in the sports world anymore. Someone always had it in for someone, um, based on, um, you know, some collision or something that happened during the card game or, um, you know, uh, I remember Denny Hawking, you know, came over to complain about Brian Buchanan because Hawking, I think, had a walk-off hit and the Star Tribune caught that took a picture of the celebration of home plate. And you see Buchanan with his fist balled up, throwing a punch at Hawking's ribs. <laughs> and, and, and Hawking was plotting like revenge, you know, on Brian Buchanan and little, little stuff like that. And the coaches staff, you know, um, Al Newman would have stuff to say. Rick Anderson would have stuff to say. You know, it was just, uh, it was hilarious. They would, uh, nothing was sacred in that clubhouse. And they didn't, they didn't mind sharing it with the media when they entered. And that was, and Roy, the other thing about the, that too was uh, in those days, 
they didn't care if you showed up like before the clubhouse was supposed to open. Like if you the clubhouse opens like you know at three thirty before seven o'clock game, you can go in at two o'clock. You can go in at one thirty. You know, so if you were trying to work on a story, you wanted to work on something you didn't want anybody else anybody else to know. Uh, I get there at two o'clock to get a one on one with someone, and you're in that clubhouse a long time. You see a lot of stuff go on, and that was a, that group of players was a special one. Uh, Eddie and Latroy would get mad at each other, and then they would put masking tape on the floor, you know, between their lockers, and point one arrow pointed to Mexico, the other one pointed to the United States, you know, because they were feuding about something or pranks, smoke bombs. Um, it was just. It was the stuff that you just don't see in, in today's clubhouse. And sorry for making this long. Um, I think that was the reason why so many former players showed up Saturday for, for Gardy's uh, induction, because uh, they remember him as a great guy who, who allowed the clubhouse and allowed guys, allowed guys to be themselves. Jamie Carroll was there yesterday. I mean, Saturday. Jamie played a year and a half with the Twins. You know, he doesn't have a long career with them. But you know, you respect the guardian and some of the other guys enough to show up for, for the uh, for the event. Bobby Keppel showed up. The only thing is, Bobby Keppel was done with his career. He was the winning pitcher in Game One Sixty Three. That's it. But he still, you know, felt a connection with Guardy and the guys to attend the induction ceremony. So it just kind of shows you what this organization was like uh, in the two thousands. I almost also remember once I'm standing in the clubhouse long after a game. Uh, Koski had like taken a couple of line drives, like off his shins or his shoulders. You know, he, he was playing in third base and somebody hit some bullets and the ball was just ricocheting all over the place. Koski goes into the shower in the Metrodome clubhouse. When he comes out, Rick Stelmazic is sitting on that, that big card table. It was right outside the, the bathroom area. Stelmazic was sitting on a chair wearing full hockey goalie, uh, gear, <laughs> Jeff, helmet, face mask, chest protector, had a hockey stick, had a goalie glove. And just to make fun of Koski, who you know looked like a bad hockey goalie. I mean, that's the crap just doesn't happen anymore. And here's the thing, guys. I, I blame, of course, listen, with analytics people and, a more, and agents being more serious and players being more serious, there's way too much seriousness in the game. I think it's also social media. Anybody, everybody knows that they do something that's goofy or they might get criticized for it can be on social media in two seconds, be around the world in five seconds there back in the day, you could, you could have some fun and then figure out whether it was fit for public consumption later. Now everything's out there in two seconds. Yep. Here's an example of that because of Jim uh, spring training one year, uh, we're all in with Gardy's office and Gardy's talking about how he's going to manage. And Gardy says, uh, we're probably going to use nine pitches tomorrow. One for every inning. Jim goes on Twitter <laughs> and immediately tweets out. Gary says he's going to use nine pitchers for uh, uh, in tomorrow's game, one for each inning. So basically, he's going to manage like he did during the regular season. <laughs> so, as soon as we left his office, like three players came running in with their phones. Did you see what Jim just tweeted about us? <laughs> yeah, the guardy chased me down and yelled at me. It was it was great stuff. So oh. what? I, one one more quick story. I may have told this before, but I, as I as I think about the '87 club and and there's some of the personalities perfect sitting going through a bad slump uh and and just just grouchy <clears throat> and somebody some young reporter came in and wanted to talk to him about 
whether or not the ball was juiced because there was that was back when uh, there was a lot of controversy and a lot of discussion about the balls being uh, being really juiced up. And he said, uh, "Mr. Herbert, can I talk to you?" And Herbert returned, "What? What do you want?" He said, "I just want I just want to ask you one you know real real quick question." And Rex goes, "Well, okay, fine." And the guy says, "Do you think the balls that they're using right now are uh, are juiced?" And Herbert looked at him. Uh, you know, for like he had, you know, worms coming out of his ears. And he said, what, do my three hoppers to the second baseman look like they're getting there a little faster? Yeah, you don't, you don't hear many quotes like that these days. You don't hear, I mean, yeah, how, many times, how many times would you hear that now? If you guys went in the clubhouse and, and asked anybody a, a question, whether they were wanting, trying to be funny or whether they were, trying, whether they were pissed off like, like us, I mean, you, you're not going to get that today. Right. Did you say you had a, uh, a Cesar Tovar story? I'm sorry? Did you say you had a Cesar Tovar story? Oh, well, just <clears throat> uh, some that I can't, uh, I can't repeat. <laughs> um, <laughs> there would be um, – yeah, he, he was just a character. He was the leadoff hitter for us uh, back then, 1975, for Billy Martin. And um, it would be, you know, like Nolan Ryan on the mound. And uh, and Cesar hit uh, he'd lead off the game and uh, hit a jam shot ground ball to the second baseman and come in the, and and come in the dugout and go the entire dugout as he walked as he went back to put his helmet away and said I got two today no problem you know I mean it's like he he just it was he and uh, Leo Cardenas. Uh, were uh, these two great Latin Latin characters? Leo said one time he told he told Bert after uh, 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 Bert came in, you know, Leo had played with Bert and, and Leo and, C- and Pepe Cesar Tovar had played with Bert in, in Minnesota, of course, and then uh, now they're with Texas and Bert, you know, came into Texas they were, with the Twins pitching against us and. Um, Bert was uh, warming up, and this was when this was right before the before the trade for me, you know, that I was involved in, and uh, <clears throat> there was a big uh, brouhaha between Calvin Griffith and Bert, and Bert was saying some tough things in the paper, and Calvin was saying tough things, and Bert wanted, you know, it, it got publicized how much money uh, Bert wanted, uh, you know, to stay if he wasn't going to get traded and. And uh, I'll never forget Leo was yelling at him from the from the dugout as Bert was warming up. He said, "He said, hey Bert, hey Bert, Bert, you want too much money? You're going to make Calvin Griffith go bank broke. Bank broke. I love it. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. <laughs> All right, we're going to move on to current events now. Once again, thank you to Corona, the official import beer sponsor of the Minnesota Twins, the presenting sponsor of the Chimney Show at TalkNorth.com. Uh, if you'd like to advertise with this show or the network, you can reach Karen Cleary at K-C-L-E-A-R-Y at TalkNorth.com. All right, so they are not hitting. They have no lineup depth right now. Uh, Kepler's having a terrible year. They're getting no offense out of the catcher. They're not getting much out of left field. What about this as a potential Band-Aid solution? What about moving a rise to left so you can play Ursula and uh, and Miranda at third and first every day? Uh, let's start with Roy. Yeah, I've thought about that too, Jim. Frankly, I, I was thinking about that um, 
uh, three weeks ago or so, just kind of running it over in my head. And I know that it's a, it's a, it's a defensive issue, but, um, and they, they, they would be really reluctant to do that. But uh, it's, it's getting to the point, and you guys recall, I, I said on this show, you know, a, a few weeks ago, um, we, we were talking about is it pitching or is it hitting? And, I, and, I, and I've, I've always believed that the personality of this club was going to be offensive. It was going to be the lineup, the hitters. And that hasn't been the case. I, I think the, the Twins have enough pitching if they hit the way we kind of thought they were going to hit. Uh, they don't have enough pitching if the, if the hitters don't. And I, I think y- you look at what the pitchers have done relative to what the expectations were and, and or what the hitters have done relative to the expectations, and and um, the hitters lose that comparison. I mean, the pitchers have been, I, I think that we would say, with some exception, exceptions, the pitchers have been, you know, good enough if if the team hit the way we thought. And we're getting to the point now where uh, it's getting it's starting to look uh, dire in terms of uh, the lineup not you know not producing runs and but you're right I mean Kepler's not having a good year the biggest the biggest shock is um, is Jorge Polanco he carried the club for the whole second half of the season you know last year uh, I mean what he did was was amazing and he thought there'd be some semblance of that this year just hasn't happened yet doesn't mean it won't but it hasn't happened yet and it's as Yogi said, if he's getting, it gets late early. You know, I mean, it, it's it's getting late out there, and <clears throat> so I I don't think that anything ought to be off the table uh, in terms of uh, in terms of getting uh, offense on the field, and and it, occasionally, you know, the ball's going to find a, a, a ball's going to find Luis Arise in left field in a play that's that's a difficult one for him to make, and you know that somebody else might might make. But uh, I, I just I, I do think that you make a good point. I, I think it's we're getting to the point where they got to find some offense. Yeah, um, Miranda's got to stay in the lineup as as much as possible now. Um, he uh, he's got fifty three RBI. He is second on the team and runs batted in, uh, um, which is remarkable considering you know what he's gone through this year and being sent down and uh, thinking that he's going to be down in the minus world and suddenly being recalled because of an injury. You know, um, uh, yeah, he's got an 805 OPS, and that's second best on the team behind Buxton. So, um, oh, third, because um, I forgot to mention uh, Arias. So, um, but I mean, he's a vital cog to this or the offense now. So, you've got to figure out how he can remain in the lineup. And Urshela is not shabby at the plate at all. Um, you know, batting 266 in today's game is not a bad thing. I have not checked. Um, the average batting average in baseball, but it's got to be like around in, somewhere in the 240s, I would imagine. Um, and Urshela's got 49 RBI. He's 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 been uh, you know he's been functional for a guy who's batting you know the bottom half of the order. That's what you like to see. So um, Arias has played in the outfield before, uh, and Rocco should consider it uh, using him out there. And you're rolling the dice a little bit, you know, with with him as a left fielder, no doubt. But uh, you know, coughing up scoring, scoring uh, the, the few runs they did against the Rangers in the first three games of this four-game series, you know, is unacceptable this time of year. Um, I think they were oh, were they zero for ten or one for ten with runs to scoring position on Saturday, and then I think they were zero for something on Sunday. 
you know, um, they need they need guys to come through with a professional at bats, and they're not getting it. You know, guys gets on second. You know, let's, let's figure out ways to get them home. You know, Rocco's having to squeeze guys home from third now because he doesn't know when the next run's going to come. So um, everything has to be on the table right now to try to uh, get this offense going. And we'll see as we get that in September. Um, September is Byron Buxton's best month. Um, he usually tears it up that month if he's healthy. And if he can get to September, maybe he'll get a little bit of a surge here. and Maybe Polanco get, gets it going and it, it helps things out. But uh, right now, it's tough to watch this team hit. 41 runs the last 12 games. Uh, it's been, it has been tough to watch. All right, one more baseball topic, maybe a little music talk. Once again, thanks for listening to TalkNorth.com. Uh, Pagan, what do they do with him? Let's start with Lavelle. Ooh, well, I like the arm. Um, he came in with the twins. Well, twins are trailing, right? He came down. He came in. It was four to nothing already. He gave up a homer. Yeah, make it five nothing, right? Well, that's his role right now. I, he comes in. He is not an even or a head guy. He is a trailing guy. Uh, you bring him in when the twins are trailing, and you're trying to save other arms, and you see if he can get on a roll that way. Um, I would not trust him in a late inning situation to try to protect the lead or close out a game. Not, not right now. Um, uh, not, you know, but I think that's what killed the twins so often in the last few months here is that, uh, they kept trying to use Pagan in these role in these situations. And he just, and it would be immediate. As soon as he gets on the mound, uh, there's runners on base and then there's runs scored. So I, w- I would just keep him away from, from any high leverage situation. And, Use them, you know, to eat innings. Use them if there's a blowout and they need someone to, you know, pitch a couple of innings. I, w- I would not trust with anything significant uh, going forward. And you hope that he comes in next year and you have spring training and you f- find a way to, to tre- tweak something for him to feel comfortable um, with some sort of uh, repertoire that he could be successful with, with because he's got a live arm. It's just He's just not putting it to use. Yeah, I, I, I agree with everything uh, that you say there, Lavelle. Um, and I, we've talked about Pagan before, and, and uh, I, when we have talked about him, I, you know, what do you do? I, it is a repertoire issue. He's got a pretty good split finger changeup, and, and I've said this before, I'm going to say it again. I, he, needs to, he needs to bury that in hitters' minds. If that's not going to work, if the if – the, if the split finger doesn't work, then I don't think he has uh, – he, he doesn't have a, a lot of ammo. He doesn't have a defense against um, against good hitters because they have pretty good swing. He's the only throws 97, 98. They have surprisingly good swings on his fastball. And the slider or cutter that he's trying to th- throw just ends up the middle of the plate too much. I mean, it's, I, I really believe that's got to be an 0-2, 1-2 pitch where you throw it right out there, you get somebody to swing and miss it off the plate, you know, outside. Um, so what does that leave if that, if that pitch is out, is, is, is in that scenario, then what do you do to get guys off the fastball? And, and that's the answer is you bury split finger, that split finger pitch in their mind. If, if that doesn't work, if the split, if the split finger really isn't as good as I, as I think it can be. Then I don't think there's I don't think there's much change in what's gonna in what's gonna happen. There are too many there's so many fastballs and sliders in the middle of the plate that get hammered um, that and he just hasn't gotten uh, he hasn't gotten anybody really I, I've never feel like he's gotten anybody off the fastball and so 
I think it's a repertoire uh, issue. In the meantime, I, I would use him as Lavelle suggests. All right. Got any music suggestions? I'm going to start uh, with our little mu- music moment that we sometimes add to the end of the show. Uh, I will say that while he's not my favorite artist, he's generally not my go-to in a lot of settings. Uh, during the pandemic, during time at home where I work more home now than I used to, uh, I have become a bigger fan of Elton John. It's just, you know, it's because, you know, he does some rock songs, he does some pop songs, but his ballads, his piano work, uh, his band, uh, the songwriting, it, man, it can be really pleasant music to have on around you. I've also seen him in Vegas. I've seen him in Minneapolis and St. Paul. And puts on a good show. Probably the best I've ever seen him live is the last XL Energy Center uh, concert he put on. And it's just a reminder that so many of the great artists we all grew up with are still at a peak. Whether it's Stone, Springsteen, Elton John, whomever. It, it's remarkable how many of them are still great. Uh, Lavelle, or Lavelle, you got any music thoughts today? I was listening to Buddy Guy the other day. And... Uh Damn right, I got the blues. Um, um, is a banger uh, from from the from the from the old days. Uh, still one of my my favorite guitarists of all time. Um, one of my favorite concerts ever was when I went to the X and saw uh, Buddy Guy open for the Rolling Stones, and mm-hmm. had an absolute blast. Um, and Buddy came out and played with uh, the Stones at one point during their concert or their part of the show. And uh, it was almost like they had to keep up with him. He was just on fire, man. I just, I just love the energy he brings. I love the voice, love the guitar play. Um, just one of the, the all-time greats. And you know, when I think about you know, top, you know, living guitars, he's definitely at the top of the list. Roy, you got anything? Yeah, uh, you know, it's funny. I, I'm, I'm glad you brought up um, Elton John. Um, I've got a couple of um, you know, older-time rock and roll thoughts. I just uh, I just created an Elton John list. I've never done it before. I'm not. I, I was an Elton John fan in, with the uh, Tumbleweed Connection album, the first one that ever came out. Just some it, to your point. There's some great uh, ballads. There's some great piano playing um, it, in there as well. Um, that's burned down the mission and, and mm-hmm. that that uh, that era. And I was not a, a fan of his his poppy uh, music later on. I, I, I think, uh, you know, Mad Men Across the Water was probably the last album that I that there were songs on, you know, that I really liked. But uh, so uh, Border Song, Mad Men Across the Water, uh, uh, Rotten Peaches, you know, those, they're kind of old school ballad with really great piano playing. I I. I I thought about it the other day. I go, I'm, I'm just going to make a list of you know, a bunch of songs, Elton John songs, and that probably nobody knows. Uh, but but I know them, and I and I really really liked them. And I got I got a huge kick out of it. I made the list, got a huge kick out of it. And, and I have seen him as well. And, and uh, the man can play some piano. And so I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. And um, the uh, I, I would encourage anybody to look, you, you listen to it. If you want some real throwback, listen to the Tumbleweed Connection album, uh, it, um, Country Comfort. Can you imagine Elton John singing country, you know, doing a country song? This is a, as close to country as he's ever gotten. It's called Country Comfort. It's, it's really good. Wow. Um, 
And uh, then I just want I had one other comment, uh, one other thought. I was driving around listening to uh, you know old older rock and roll the other day, and and um, Grace Slick, you know, the airplane came on it you know, and, and with a White Rabbit, and mm-hmm. uh, Jim, you and I back a couple of years ago went through best rock and roll singers, uh, you know, ever, and we had, yep. and I I'm ashamed of us to I'm ashamed to say. We had a bunch of great rock and roll singers that we thought were top five, you know, rock and roll singers. But there wasn't one female in there. And, and I, I defy anybody to, to listen to somebody to love White Rabbit and say that Grace Slick wasn't one of the best rock and roll singers ever. So that's that's my. Comment. Well, you know, and you bring up a great point because, you know, who I sometimes think is the greatest as good as anybody ever is Bonnie Raitt. Yeah, I love Bonnie yeah. Raitt. I'm a she's huge good. Bonnie Raitt fan. She's got she can sing every uh, every genre from her slide guitar blues stuff to uh, you know to to ballads, um, uh, and uh, I can't make you love me is one of my favorite songs of you know of, uh, that I, that I've ever heard. But you listen to Grace Slick, and there's a great story about Grace Slick doing White Rabbit, and, and as the story goes. Um, she came. She came out and belted that out in one take. First take, boom, that was it. And it's just like, man, is that a good? I've heard so many stories where great songs were done in one take because it was just there. It was in somebody's head, and they just kind of poured it out. By the way, I always rhyme people that my favorite thing to do on airplanes is watch the 25th anniversary Rock and Roll Hall of Fame concert. Lavelle, uh, Buddy Guy playing with Jeff Beck on that in that oh, concert is oh, oh, fantastic. I like it. Fantastic. So check that out. Hey, check out all the music recommendations. Thanks for listening to our storytelling. Uh, we will, of course, continue to break down the twins. Because guess what? For all the doomsaying, all their problems, they're still in contention. We're still going to get to see meaning- meaningful baseball here down the stretch, which is all I ever really asked for. Give me a season full of meaningful games. We're going to get that. And we're going to keep talking about it here on Chin Music at TalkNorth.com.